0: North Korea expects the U.S. to accept its assertion that it is not advancing a nuclear weapons program. On this and Iran, will President Bush trust but verify? We'll ask Ambassador John Bolton, and we'll talk with a scientist about Darwinism's weakest link. This is Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian Worldview for Christ and Culture.
1: Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. It's one
2: small step for man, one
3: giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will
0: live in infamy. I have a dream.
3: It depends upon what the meaning of the word is.
1: And the people who knocked these buildings down... We'll hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail.
0: Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson.
4: I was viewed as an intellectual terrorist.
5: If you have questioned Darwinism, that's it. Your career is over.
6: I have been told to shut up. Just stand up and question Darwinism. You'll find out how risky that is. All right, that's Ben Stein's documentary, Expelled. It comes out this Friday. It's on the creation evolution debate. We're going to talk at the half hour with a career biology teacher about the impossibility of human evolution. You don't want to miss that.
5: Well, to start out today's program, we have sort of an international theme. Uh, Former President Jimmy Carter is in the Middle East for eight days. He laid a wreath at the uh, grave of Yasser Arafat, the PLO leader uh, now dead. And uh, he's also planning on meeting uh, with uh, Hamas leader who's exiled in Syria. So President Jimmy Carter over there at a briefing in Ramallah in the West Bank says He's there to try and act as a conduit between Hamas and the U.S. and the Israeli government.
6: I'm just trying to understand different opinions and communicate, provide communications between people that won't communicate with each other.
5: Like, it's really up to him uh, to even be doing this. Also, uh, China is taking a hard line against unrest in uh, Tibet. In fact, Christopher Bodine says that China's foreign ministry is complaining that the U.S. and Western European response to these problems in Tibet has hurt the feelings of the Chinese people.
2: China has steadfastly opposed what it considers to be crude intervention in its internal affairs. It has lashed out at critics from Nancy Pelosi to the European Union.
5: That's AP correspondent Christopher Bodine. All right. And there's a lot of mischief going on
6: in North Korea. With us to talk about it, there's no one better. Former UN Ambassador John Bolton. He is senior fellow of the American Enterprise Institute. He's also written a book, Surrender Is Not an Option. Defending America at the United Nations. Welcome back to the program, Ambassador Bolton.
4: Well, Thank you very much for having me back. Appreciate it.
6: All right. Ambassador Bolton, you've written this article in the Wall Street Journal today. It's entitled, Bush's North Korea Capitulation. Tell us where we're about to get it wrong.
4: Well, it's a very sad day, I think, for President Bush. There's uh, still a slim chance he can reject this deal that Secretary Rice and the State Department have negotiated. But basically, uh, it it is a way of giving up on uh... the quest to find out exactly what north korea's nuclear program is and to make them honor their commitment to give that program up uh... the deal that's being talked about would essentially have the united states accept north korea's declaration of what their nuclear programs are take that at face value and then simultaneously remove north korea from our list of state sponsors of terrorism and remove it from the prohibitions of the Trading with the Enemy Act. These are two objectives the North Koreans have desperately wanted for many Mm -hmm. years, and we're going to give it to them on their Mm say-so, that they don't have any uranium enrichment and that they haven't been proliferating nuclear technology to countries like Syria and Iran. It's just unbelievable.
6: So we've gone from trust, but verify to trust and pacify. maybe. Let me ask you this question. What kind of message would this send to Iran, as we are uh, obviously in the same sort of a situation with them?
4: Well, you put your finger on a very important point. This deal with North Korea is, uh, is a very, very bad deal. But even beyond the problem of not dealing with uh, North Korea's nuclear weapons program, it tells every other uh, aspirant to have nuclear weapons that they can get away with it. If North Korea can reach this kind of deal with the United States, there is no incentive whatever for Iran ever to come clean on what its nuclear weapons program is or for any other rogue state that's uh, thinking about or already pursuing nuclear weapons. So this is not just a bad deal for Japan, South Korea, the United States, the countries of East Asia. This is a bad deal globally.
5: A former U.S. Uh, ambassador to the United Nations, John Bolton, is with us. His book is Surrender Is Not an Option. And Ambassador Bolton, could you put on your analyst hat for a moment and tell us why uh, the Bush administration would take such positions or at least uh, confirm the State Department's positions?
4: Well, this is really the, the last moment, I think, at which President Bush can stop this before the deal becomes irrevocable, the new president of south korea is coming to the united states will be in camp david on friday and saturday uh, and he takes a very tough line on north korea you know he actually expects them to honor commitments that they make mm-hmm. how's that for something revolutionary yeah. i hope that uh, he will have a chance to talk to the president away from uh, influences from the state department who value having a deal with north korea over and above what the substance of that deal is this May be hard for your listeners to understand. Really, it's only in the State Department that people think like that. But that's the that's the motivation, I think. Unfortunately, that's driving them.
6: You're listening to Jerry Johnson live. We're talking to former UN Ambassador John Bolton, uh, Ambassador Bolton. I want you to listen briefly to this report from Christopher Bodine over at the Associated Press. He's talking about Chinese President Hu Jintao and how he's cracking down on protests, particularly in Tibet.
3: At that
2: time, he carried out a hard-line crackdown against dissent, and ever since then, China's grip over Tibet has tightened.
6: Ambassador Bolton, uh, we're hearing a lot about Tibet. Of course, there's Taiwan. Of course, there's the persecution of Christians. A lot of people are saying uh, the United States should not be present in these opening ceremonies. Others are saying, well, we might ought to boycott the Olympics altogether. How do you see our relationship vis-à-vis China? Should we protest in some way?
4: Well, I think we should make it clear that what is happening in Tibet is unacceptable. And I I think there's a broader point here as well, and that is the lack of uh, religious freedom in China. I served uh, as one of the first members of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom back in 1999 and 2000. Mm -hmm. This was something we worked on Uh, Then we were concerned about uh, repression of Christian churches generally. The Catholic Church was a particular target at that time. But beyond Christianity, Falun Gong and other uh, uh, expressions of faith that the Chinese Communist government didn't want to hear anything about. So what's happening in Tibet is part of a longstanding problem with a religious, cultural, ethnic difference between uh, the Han Chinese population that rules in Beijing and and Tibetans, Uyghurs in Xinjiang province. It's it's really not just in Tibet. Uh, And these protests in Tibet are not the first uh, time this has happened. You know, next year will be the 50th anniversary of the flight of the Dalai Lama out of Tibet's capital, Lhasa, to India. Uh, So these demonstrations and this repression have a long history, and they're going to continue as well. Uh, I think it's important to keep in mind that China wanted these Olympics in part for political purposes. They wanted to show China had arrived. Uh, They wanted to showcase some of their achievements.
6: Is it going to backfire on them?
4: Well, I think in some respects it is, but I think that's also why it's legitimate for the United States and others to send a political signal Mm -hmm. about our dissatisfaction with this kind of repression. You know, in 1980, uh, we boycotted the Moscow Olympics because of their invasion of Afghanistan. Many people said that was very unfair to the athletes i think there's a certain uh, argument there uh, i think therefore boycotting the opening ceremony uh, sends the political message we want to send doesn't disadvantage the uh, athletes themselves doesn't take away from the what should be the non-political nature of the athletic competition but does but does use the ceremonies that surround it to make the point
5: Ambassador, you've had a distinguished diplomatic career, uh, but uh, what you did, you did in an official capacity. We have a former president now over there in the Middle East meeting with uh, someone that we've tried to isolate, uh, the uh, Hamas leader. Does he do us damage?
4: Yes, yes, he does, very definitely. You know, the administration is making an effort at uh, jump-starting the peace process between Israelis and Palestinians. I think it's very unlikely to succeed. I don't think the conditions uh, exist where diplomacy might be successful. But i tell you, it's a stake in the heart of the process to have a former president meeting with the head of Hamas, a terrorist group. It it is a uh, signal of moral equivalency between Hamas and uh, non-terrorist Palestinians. It says you can continue to engage in terrorism and, and you'll be uh, greeted by the likes of Jimmy Carter. You know, we we know that Jimmy Carter is not an official of the United States government anymore, but a former president carries enormous legitimacy and political currency with him, and he's bestowing that legitimacy when he meets with the head of Hamas. It's just it's a it's a grave setback I think for our anti-terrorist efforts around the world, and, and for the cause of peace in the Middle East.
6: You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. Our guest, former U.N. Ambassador John Bolton. Ambassador Bolton, let's listen to Jimmy Carter. I'm going to ask you to react to this. I
1: don't approve of uh, rockets being fired you know, that might very
6: well hit civilians. And I don't approve of uh, the killing of innocent people in Gaza either by, by Israeli bombs and, and missiles. Ambassador Bolton, you mentioned moral equivalency. I think that's what he was doing right there. He that's was exactly a- right yep. equating uh, the fire department with the fire. Essentially, <laughs> uh, I want to ask you: How do you view Carter's foreign policy track record? We've got the Panama Canal. We've got Iran. Do you think he's got a good track record?
4: No, I think it's one of the principal reasons he was so overwhelmingly defeated in 1980 by Ronald Reagan, who said this this record of uh, uh, in foreign policy of the carter administration uh, just shows the united states getting weaker and weaker losing respect around the world watching the soviets invade afghanistan let's not forget it was president carter who said that america as a whole suffered from an inordinate fear of communism i bet they appreciated that remark in moscow uh... so th- this is the last uh, kind of individual who should be teaching americans foreign policy lessons and yet uh, there he is, and he was told. Secretary Rice has said expressly, this trip is not helpful. Now, mm. it's sometimes the case that a former president can can be of assistance to a foreign policy, and 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 I I would welcome that sort of uh, role. And nobody's saying that a former president can't give up his uh, can't make statements about what he has uh, in his in his mind about foreign policy. But this is something actively contrary to the foreign policy of the administration, and uh, he knows it is, and he knows he's uh, hurting the administration by doing this, and yet he's doing it anyway.
6: Folks, that's U.N. Ambassador, former U.N. Ambassador John Bolton. We thank you for being with us. He's written the book, Surrender Is Not an Option, Defending America at the United Nations. Thank you, Ambassador Bolton.
4: Well, thank you, and thank you again for having me on your show.
6: We'll do it again. All right, folks, we're going to open the lines at 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270. A lot there, Penna, from uh, former U.N. Ambassador Bolton. I'm interested to know, really, what our listeners think about this dangerous world we live in. Let's talk about the Christian worldview. What is the role of the federal government in protecting us? Is that the primary role of the federal government? But uh, do you think Jimmy Carter, for instance, is um, off track again in going over, meeting with the terrorist and equating the terrorists that are attacking Israel with the Israelis who are defending themselves. What do you think of that? Also, when we come back, we'll be talking about Barack Obama's statement about the folks who live in the country, who uh, have guns and turn to religion and bash the immigrants. What do you think of that? We've got that sound, the actual sound of Obama We talked about this yesterday. We have the sound today. You can react to that. Also, creation versus evolution at the half hour. Don't miss it. For what
1: partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? No partnership. Or what fellowship has light with darkness? No partnership. Or what harmony has Christ with Belial or Satan? No partnership. Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? And the answer to those is negative. This is John MacArthur inviting you to a very special event. This Friday night at 7.30, we'll be at Crossroads Christian Church in Grand
3: Prairie. Friday night, April 18th, it's an evening with John MacArthur. I love the fact he is
1: called the living God. Don't forget, April 18th, 7.30 p.m., an evening with John MacArthur and you, our faithful Criswell Communications family why? Just to say thank you for your faithful support of this radio ministry. From San Angelo or Texoma or even in the Metroplex, you're invited to this evening with John MacArthur. The Spirit lives within us. The Spirit of Christ, the living God, dwells in us. This Friday night at 730, a free gift from our family to yours on CRN.
0: You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live! Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications.
3: Bitter is always a word that you use about other people, like squabble, like bicker. You know, you argue, but other people bicker. Um, You're never bitter yourself. You're angry, you're indignant, you're hurt, but
2: you're not bitter. Bitter is not a good word to use.
6: All right, that's Barney Frank, and he's talking about Barack Obama, who said that uh, the people in the small towns who had lost their jobs over the last many years under the Clinton presidency, under the Bush presidency, and really the shift from the United States from an industrial kind of a uh, powerhouse to more of an information and service uh, economy. He said these people are bitter. They go to guns. They go to religion, and they attack immigrants. That's Obama. And and uh, I think uh, even the Democrats are piling on, criticizing Barack Obama here. Now, yesterday we reported on this language, and I think it's very important for you to hear it exactly from the candidate. So we're going to play the sound right now. This is Barack Obama in San Francisco at a fundraiser, and he's talking about folks in Pennsylvania and the Midwest. Listen for these words. And, of course, it wasn't... uh, recorded professionally. The whole point here was that he didn't think he was being recorded, and he was. But um, listen for the gun talk, the religion talk, the anti-immigrant talk. You go into some of these small
7: towns in in, in Pennsylvania, like a lot of small towns in the Midwest, the jobs have
2: been gone now for 25 years, and nothing's replaced them. And they've gone through the Clinton administration and the Bush administration, and each successive administration has said that somehow
0: these communities are going to regenerate, and they have not. So it's not surprising them that they get better and they cling to guns or religion or uh, antipathy towards people who aren't like them, or anti-immigrant sentiment or you know, anti-trade
6: sentiment, and, uh, a way to explain their frustrations. All right, Penna, so uh, this is getting a lot of attention, and Obama keeps uh, fumbling the ball. Uh, He is ahead in delegates. He's going to be the Democrat nominee, apparently. Uh, But if he keeps making these kinds of mistakes, he could lose that superdelegate vote. He could lose the nomination. It's it's unlikely, but um, a lot of folks out there saying... uh, this is going to kill him in the general election against John McCain.
5: I heard an interview uh, on my way down here with John Zogby, the pollster, and he said that uh, he has swift boated himself for the general election which uh... basically he's just shot himself in the foot with these comments and john fund of the wall street journal questioned whether he's ready for prime time he hasn't been vetted uh... republicans tend to put the people out there who are very well tested in the party and have been in office for a long time i mean we've got john mccain we had people like bob dole out there and even the bushes uh... but sometimes democrats tend to get excited about somebody who's young and fresh (laughs) and represents, quote-unquote, change. And sometimes they get in trouble with that. And also there was a piece in the New Republic, which is sort of a liberal publication, talking about these states that have upcoming primaries for the Democrats. Pennsylvania, Indiana, Kentucky, West Virginia. And, of course, there are white working-class voters in these states who used to be loyal Democrats. They sort of swing back and forth, but they're patriotic, church-going, hunters They are skeptical about trade and immigration, especially illegal immigration. He's just offended all of them, and uh, that's why he's in trouble now.
6: All right. Yesterday we talked about this debate up at Messiah College, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama. And uh, Obama stating that uh, he believed in evolution. Both Clinton and Obama saying uh, they don't believe life begins at conception, essentially. And we've been asking for your comments. Uh, Some of you didn't get to weigh in yesterday. You want to comment today on this controversy. Also, where they stand. They say they're reaching out to evangelicals. They say they've got to get to church. I mean, Obama said we've got to get in those churches. We've got to get the evangelical vote. But on the other hand, on marriage... And on human life, um, they're not going to connect, apparently, with evangelicals on the matter of conviction. The number is 800-881-9270. We've got some emails here that we need to read, Penna. Uh, I'll read this first one. And uh, it's from Jeannie in San Angelo. And she says, Just claiming to be a Christian doesn't mean you are. Obama's stand for me on abortion same-sex marriage, etc., etc., et, cetera, et cetera, are not doing what is right in God's sight. What do you think of that, folks? The number is 800-881-9270 or email us, talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. We've got other messages, Penna.
5: You know, there was a statement he made a while back about how, how he says he has a relationship with Jesus Christ, but he didn't think that was absolutely necessary or being a Christian, and you mentioned his mother. And going and to heaven. she was a good person and all of that. Here's another email from David. Uh, As you know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to a hospital makes you a doctor. In that regard, Senators Obama and Clinton are not, in my opinion, Christians. This is an email from a listener. And uh, he also says, while Senator Obama may find nothing contrary to Christianity and evolution, uh, but does he find anything contrary to good science in the dogma of evolution? We'll be talking about that in the next mm. segment.
6: All right. The number is 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270. Obama, no doubt about it, a smooth orator uh, when it comes to the standard stump speech. Very inspiring. Again, the the Oprah factor. Uh, he has the Oprah factor the wow factor, uh, the swooning. Uh, mm-hmm. Women are swooning at these speeches, but when he's caught off the cuff and in the debates, he does seem to reveal more of his true self, and Americans increasingly are not comfortable with that. We've got Karen on the line. Karen, what do you make of this Democrat appeal to evangelicals? Well, I heard a spokesman
7: last night uh, from CBN who said that uh, they're really not trying to appeal to uh, strong evangelicals, but maybe not moderate evangelicals mm-hmm. and younger evangelicals who are not so staunch about right to life and um, you know, uh, marriage between just a man and a woman. And uh, so they're trying to kind of get uh, more moderate evangelicals. Mm-hmm. If such an animal exists,
5: they know they're not going to get the strong right wing Christian conservatives.
7: Right. And so they're not making a play for them. They're making more of a play for this middle of the road group that uh, are not so um, adamant about their beliefs.
6: Thanks Karen. You know the Old Testament prophets said my people perish for a lack of knowledge and there's been a dearth of sound biblical preaching and teaching on issues like marriage and the sanctity of human life and there are many people out there in Baptist churches, Southern Baptist churches evangelical churches and while they may be evangelical in their understanding of the gospel when it comes to the Christian worldview on marriage or on human life their pastor really hasn't been bearing down on these topics and the importance of these topics and I think they're They're easy political pickings for the Democrats or liberals who come along and say, look, we're going to feed the poor, we're going to save the earth, and these are religious causes. Jim Wallace is leading that evangelical left, that evangelical liberal political group, Jim Wallace. He was at the debate at Messiah College. He was given a position on the program. He asked one of the questions. This fit exactly what he has been trying to do. We've got Deborah on the line from Dallas. Deborah, thank you for calling. What's your view?
8: Um, my view is on all three of the candidates, on uh, re- whether they um, – I think they consider themselves as Christians, but, however, I am disturbed on all three of them' uh, view on marriage and uh, homosexuality and the adoption of whether a homosexual should be able to um, adopt children. Because uh, if you are a Christian, I know that the Bible speaks specifically on homosexuality, and all three of them say that they are Christians. So why would the Republican... I, I, I always hear people saying the Democrats is this and the liberal that, but being a Republican doesn't necessarily make you a Christian either. No, it it's sure almost doesn't. like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know. They were <laughs> so religious. They knew the Bible, but yet they did not believe in the very God that they were so mm. starchy about. Mm. So I'm concerned about all three of them, and I know you have to vote for somebody. But
6: you do. Sometimes it's the lesser of three evils, and perhaps it is this time. McCain has certainly been weak on marriage. We've played a soundbite again and again on this program, and he has been weak on that issue, no doubt about it. Uh, let's move on to Pamela, though, quickly before the break is up. Uh, Pamela, thank you for calling. What's your view? Hello,
7: Brother Jerry. Actually, I have two if, if you don't mind. Um, one is about Obama. <clears throat> As an African-American, I'm really concerned about the little black children that look up to him and he's saying things about supporting mm. evolution and just be a nice person to be safe.
5: Good point. Uh,
7: his message is very um a very serious uh, reason for concern. The other thing is uh, about Hillary and her comments about Esther and it, it just kind of I don't know, it bothered me because it seems so fake and so script mm. and as, as many things that I think that she's saying, um, and one more thing.
6: <laughs> All right. The
7: the when President Clinton when Bill was recently dug the whole Bosnia, Bosnia thing again. Yes. And said
6: yes. Yes.
7: She was just saying it because you know it was eleven o'clock at night and she was tired. And I'm thinking if she's already tired at eleven and she's making um, misspeaking, what is in the world is she going to be doing at three a.m. <laughs> <laughs> well,
6: that's good, Pamela, because that's that uh, phone call commercial. And uh, I know that uh, that commercial has been played again and again. They rehashed it. And I think what she's going to do at 3 a.m. is say, um, Bill, the phone's for you. If that crisis comes, she's going to hand the phone to the former president of the United States. Well, when we come back, why is it that, uh, of course, we know a creation has... um, been banned from the public school system. But why is it that uh, just questioning evolution, just the questioning of evolution has also been banned? And we're going to talk about uh, Ben Stein's movie Expelled coming up this weekend and uh, we're going to talk to a science teacher who can tell us all about it. You're
0: listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications.
4: I was viewed as an intellectual terrorist.
5: If you have questioned Darwinism, that's it. Your career is over.
4: I
6: have been told to shut up. Just stand up and question Darwinism. You'll find out how risky that is.
3: There are people out there who want to keep science in a little box where it can't possibly touch God. Religion. I mean, it's just fantasy, basically. Scientists are not allowed to even think thoughts that involve an intelligent creator. We cannot
0: accept to treat intelligent design as an alternative
3: scientific theory. I'm frightened by this. But I'm not going to let it stop me from investigating and from speaking about it.
5: Well, you've probably figured out that's the trailer for Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed. That's Ben Stein's documentary. It actually comes out in theaters this Friday. And uh, really the point made in the movie in a very engaging way is that if you believe in intelligent design, if you question Darwinism, forget it in academia. And uh, we're going to talk about that in this segment, Dr. Johnson.
6: And we've got students going out to this movie on Friday. And I do want to recommend that Christians and people who listen to this show turn out to see this movie, to support this kind of a message. The movie is called Expelled. But it's really about the question, where did we come from? Where do we come from? And with us to talk about it, we have a career biology teacher, Kenneth Poppy. He's written the book, Exposing Darwinism's Weakest Link, Why Evolution Can't Explain Human Existence Welcome, Mr. Poppy, to the program.
2: Thank you, Jerry. Glad
6: to be with you. All right. Would you tell us, Kenneth, uh, let's just start with the title, Why Evolution Can Explain Human Existence? Lay it on us.
2: All right. Well, my first book, Reclaiming Science from Darwinism, looked at all the various ways that evolution fails, but I saved this major topic for the second book. It's all about the monkey to man fallacy. And this book looks at it from every angle, and I think makes an ironclad case and puts the final nail in the coffin that in no way is evolution able to produce, produce humans even if you're spotted a monkey which is a uh, which is a pretty big given all by itself
6: dr. Poppy you know um, I read some of the literature and people are pointing out the fact that uh, uh, chimpanzees share you know ninety two to ninety eight percent of the DNA with humans depending on who 's measuring how they measure it right. how do you respond to anecdotal information like that?
2: Well, I, I would respond as most people believe that. Most of the people I talk to in everyday walk of life, Christian or non-Christian, do believe that they have a soul or a spirit, something mm. non-biological that outlives mm. them. And so what I do in this book, I not only look at the, the biological factors, why uh, monkeys can't turn into people, but I also add the, what I consider the spiritual factors of morality and values uh and such as that and if that's true that we were truly made in god's image then that puts us light years away from chimpanzees which i think would be closer to bacterium in the spiritual factor
5: Our guest is Dr. Kenneth Poppy. He is uh, the author of a book exposing Darwinism's weakest link. And Dr. Poppy, one of the things that makes humans different is the ability for speech, uh, that we're able to express ourselves. Uh, When did that start? And just kind of talk about that in relation to uh, the point you're making, why evolution cannot explain the existence of human beings.
2: Well, I think the foremost expert in linguistics, everybody's expert on the subject, a man named noam chomsky basically said that a human's ability to communicate has no roots in in the animal world he called it something deep structure it would have to be i guess somehow magically coded in our dna but he reminds everybody that when animals communicate their sound and their message is the same like a dolphin speaks dolphin to all dolphins from the day this dolphin was born but humans can communicate in over 600 different languages and so the message and the information are not the same. makes us quite unique.
6: Dr. Poppy, I was reading G.K. Chesterton this past week in his book, Orthodoxy, and, of course, he's writing 100 years ago, but he, people back then were comparing, scientists and others, uh, apes and humans and showing all the similarities. And Of course, now we've got all this DNA. And he said if you step away from that kind of talk in literature and actually look at a human and look at an ape, The amazing thing is not how similar they are, but how dissimilar they are. That is, that apes don't write music. Apes, uh, I mean, you and I are on the radio talking about apes, but I can guarantee you there are no apes right now talking about us. What do you make of that?
2: Well, uh, I spend one entire chapter in my book looking at uh, those famous experiments they used to do with primates to see how much they could get them to communicate and how how human-like they could make them become, and, Believe me, I've got a four-year-old daughter that's light years ahead of uh, of a full-grown any kind of primate that you want to take a look at. And one thing that I point out in my book that really shows that those experiments really lead nowhere. There's never been a primate that ever communicated anything out of its immediate situation. Nothing about tomorrow. Nothing about yesterday. Uh, they're able to do stimulus response, maybe a little more complicated, but it's just animals dealing with the present. That's all they can do.
5: Mm.
6: Dr. Poppy, uh, let's listen to Barack Obama uh, on evolution.
2: All right.
0: I do believe in evolution. Uh, I, do, I don't think that is incompatible with Christian faith, just as I don't think science generally is incompatible with Christian faith.
6: Now, I have a couple of problems there. One, he's saying that evolution isn't incompatible with Christian faith, but he also equates evolution with science. Would you take on either one of those right away?
2: You bet, uh- You know, evolution generically should just mean change over time, but we all know the baggage it creates. And the difficulty I have is I run across a lot of people who admit that maybe there's a God out there somewhere, but it seems like they think evolution has some power of its own. I try to point out that if God used any science in his creative ability, it's his science, he gets all the credit.
6: Mm -hmm. Well, what do you think? I mean, you've been a lifelong biology teacher. What do you about the? What do you think about this theme from this movie, Expelled, coming out this week? Uh, How do you assess the gag order in the public school system against any critique of Darwinism?
2: Well, Jerry, if we had a lot more time, I could go into my personal experiences. Uh, I have also been pursued and hassled. I've been transferred. uh, And I've gone to great lengths to teach Darwinism, as the state standards require, but... I do allow a little bit of time for the students to ask questions, and I try to go where their questioning leads, but even if you keep Scripture out of it and you never mention God, if you just talk about something like the Cambrian Explosion, yes. uh, uh, you know, anything that would even hint that Darwinism might have some weaknesses, you are in for trouble.
5: Well, they should have put you in the movie Expelled.
2: Well, I could have been. I, I could have told my tale, too, but I'm sure my tale's not unique.
5: Um, Dr. Poppy, I want you to talk about moral values, because that's another difference, an area where humans differ from animals uh, drastically, so talk about it.
2: Well, that one's really easy to nail down, Pena. Uh, if if truly we all climbed out of the slime, how can there be any kind of moral code? If it's really dog-eat-dog dog and survival to the fittest, uh, murder is okay. In fact, murder would be expected, because uh, that's how you get a leg up on the competition. But that's just not true. I spent some time looking in my book at various cultures, and there are certain mores, certain standards that everybody buys into. And, you know, it's just like it's a pattern across the board. It's almost like the Ten Commandments gets rewritten in every other culture. But you can't say Ten Commandments, obviously.
5: That's why I think it's so sad that children in public schools are not taught uh, that they were created in anywhere, that there's a designer, because I do do think it affects their behavior and just their whole take on their own value and worth.
2: Well, I I hate to say it, but I think it it affects the system from the bottom to the top. If, If you have administrators that aren't really sure if values exist, then I don't think they take certain action against kids that may need a certain amount of discipline. You know, if nobody really knows what's right and wrong, how is anybody able to act on anything? And I think it handicaps our system.
6: Doctor Carl Dr. Kenneth Poppy has written this book, Exposing Darwinism's Weakest Link, Why Human Why Evolution Can Explain Human Existence. Doctor Poppy, thank you for being with us and we highly recommend your book.
2: Well, I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me on.
6: All right, folks, this movie coming out next week, Ben Stein's movie, Expelled on this theme. Why is there a gag order? Why is there censorship against the critics of Darwinian evolution? We've got someone on the line who's been to this movie, who screened it. We've got Troy from Frisco. Troy, what did you think of the movie? Do you recommend it?
3: Oh, absolutely, Dr. Johnson. Um, we got to screen it at a at a pastor's conference in San Diego, and uh the producer was there and it, it's about 99% done the the film that we got to screen. And I think the two important points that I think Stein is trying to make in the movie is, number one, um, how the liberal left uh, sort of fight for their right to free speech, but yes. yet gag order those um, who are conservative and uh, view in- intelligent design as good science um, that can give answers to the gaps in our questions as far as for the evolution-creation debate. Mm. And I think the the other thing that they do... Um, is they, they draw the distinctives between creationism, I guess a literal creationism, and what is intelligent design. And I think that that was a good point because it wasn't a very biblical movie in so much as it was about these scientists who are who are renowned and, and, and scholars in their field, like you said, they're losing tenure, they're losing their jobs for simply saying there there's a divine intelligent creator that put order and morality and all of these things that Dr. Poppy was talking about into the fabric of the universe. And so I think Stein did a great job on it. It was a wonderful movie. But like I said, it was only about 99% done of what I've, I've seen, so I have no idea what other editing they've done to the movie.
6: Thanks, Troy. We're up on the break time. Thanks so much for calling in. We recommend this movie. You need to get in the papers, get on the web, find out where it's showing, take your church group, take your family. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about intelligent design and creationism, or biblical creation. And we'll contrast and compare that for a minute. Also, it's tax day. I have some great information for you uh, in the final segment if you haven't done your taxes. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. We'll be right back.
1: For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? No partnership. Or what fellowship has light with darkness? No partnership. Or what harmony has Christ with Belial or Satan? No partnership. Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? And the answer to those is negative. This is John MacArthur inviting you to a very special event. This Friday night at 7.30, we'll be at Crossroads Christian
3: Church in Grand Prairie. Friday night, April 18th, it's an evening with John MacArthur.
1: I love the fact he is called the living God. Don't forget, April 18th, 7.30 p.m., an evening with John MacArthur and you, our faithful Criswell Communications family why? Just to say thank you for your faithful support of this radio ministry. From San Angelo or Texoma or even in the Metroplex, you're invited to this evening with John MacArthur. The Spirit lives within us. The Spirit of Christ, the living God, dwells in us. This Friday night at 730, a free gift from our family to yours on CRN.
0: You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live! Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications.
2: The sooner it's in the system, the earlier in the year you'll get your stimulus payment. And by filing electronically as opposed to filing a paper return, uh, that return gets processed faster.
6: All right, your IRS tax forms are due today. You can still get to that mailbox, but you can file online. And what IRS spokesman Eric Smith was saying is the sooner you get in the system for this year, not only the sooner do you get your return, if you have one, but this uh, stimulus package payout is going to be based upon that. We're going to talk about this in just a minute, but, Penn, I want to recap a couple of the issues we've talked about today from the Christian worldview. Why did we spend 15 minutes with Ambassador Bolton talking about China and North Korea and Jimmy Carter and Hamas and all of this? And that's because Romans 13 says that the government minister— The governing authority is a minister of God, actually. We we think of minister, we're thinking of our pastor, usually, or an evangelist. But the Bible says the governing authorities are ministers of God. Why? To preach evangelism? To do crusades? No. They are God's minister for good. If you do evil, you're to be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. He's God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Our government has a job, our federal government, and it is to hold the line on the evildoers that we have in North Korea, or China, or Iran, or Hamas, or Fatah. Our government is supposed to keep the terrorists away from the United States, and that's why it's important to understand what's going on, and to elect a president that will hold the line on the bad guys It's very important. Romans 1 tells us why creation is important. We've been talking about um, Obama saying that evolution, not a big deal. And, of course, we've got this movie coming out on Friday, Expelled. We highly recommend this movie from Ben Stein. Now, what's the difference between intelligent design and biblical creation? And I think it's pretty simple to me. Intelligent design is a negative – I mean that in a good sense – it's a negative apologetic tool – Intelligent design has one role, and that is to undercut evolution. It is to, it is to take the scientific evidence and to show where Darwinism fails. That's intelligent design. Biblical creation, or creation science, actually takes the text of Scripture and says what God says about His creation, how He did it why he did it, when he did it, and all of these things. But that's more the positive case for creation, intelligent design really undercutting Darwinism. And what this movie is going to show on Friday is that the scientists on scientific terms are not allowed to criticize Darwinism on scientific terms. And that is a shame, and that is a sham in American education. You need to go out and see this movie. I think it's going to be exciting. But why does this matter on a show like this? Romans 1 says this, that creation... Matters. People rejecting creation are rejecting the Creator. They're rejecting the Creator's order on marriage. They're rejecting the Creator's moral order when it comes to how to live. So creation matters a great deal. And I think, Pena, that's why people are so violently opposed to intelligent design Because they know If they undercut Atheistic Darwinistic evolution They have to answer To somebody They have to answer To the creator In his moral order And they can have None of that
5: It's a core Spiritual battle Well Dr. Johnson You were talking about uh, The government's role As holding the line Against the evildoer And it takes some money To do that That's tax day uh, of course uh, You know We spend money On a lot of other things Besides that Really too much money But I found something In the sit-in the, um, on Real Clear Politics today is actually by Stephen Malonga of the City Journal. And talking about the rich, because we've got uh, presidential candidates saying that they want to raise taxes on the rich. We've got some rich people like Bill Clinton and Warren Buffett saying they need to be paying more taxes. And I, my question is why don't they then? Uh, They can do that if they want to. Uh, And, you know, what, what, what the statistics show, though, Dr. Johnson, is that, yes, the rich are getting wealthier in this country right now, but they're also paying an increasing share of the federal tax burden. In fact, over the past 25 years, the percentage of federal income tax paid by the wealthiest Americans, has actually doubled and has shrunk for everyone else. So we're becoming a society where the few pay the greatest part of the cost of government while everybody else enjoys the benefits. And, for instance, in 1980, of course, we talked about Jimmy Carter. He was president then. uh, The top 1% paid 19% of all federal income taxes. By uh, 10 years later, it was 25% of all federal income taxes paid by the top 1%. By 2005, which is the most recent year for the data on this, the top 1% of filers were paying nearly 40% of the federal income tax bill. Another interesting statistic, uh, 1% of filers uh, in America in 2005 paid 23% of their adjusted gross income uh, in income taxes, and that's just federal taxes. All right, well, let's listen again to the IRS
6: commissioner. This is Douglas Schulman. He's saying you can file for an extension right now if you've missed the deadline.
4: If you file an extension, you've got an extension of time to get your paperwork into us and to file your return, but you don't have an extension of time to pay. So it's important if someone files an extension, which is very easy to do, download the form from our website, that they've also got to send a payment or else there'll be interest on their payment later in the year.
6: All right, so Ben Franklin said, two certainties in life, death and taxes. Now, Pulpit Helps put something in their magazine not long ago, and uh, it was about the Great Commission. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're all expected to do that. But they put in Pulpit Helps a Great Commission exemption form. By the eternal revenue service instead of the internal revenue <laughs> service. <laughs> 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 I thought this is kind of interesting today. So you've been commanded to obey the Great Commission, Acts 1-8. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. But you want to be exempt? It says, check the appropriate box under which you're claiming an exemption. Box 1. I'm 100% disabled and unable to comply. Box 2, I've received nothing, therefore I can give nothing. Box 3, I don't like this law, too much centralized power. Box 4, my neighbor doesn't comply. Box 5, I'm applying for a 20-year deferment. I need time to think it over. Box 6, I recently completed a 20-year deferment and applying for an extension. Box 7, my ship sails from Joppa at 5 tomorrow. Well, it goes on and on. Well, the bottom line is this. If you need more information, look at the code, and it lists all the scriptures. Mm-hmm. where well, we're commanded, really, Penna, to share the gospel. And it uh, says, please complete and bring form 0002 to your pre-heaven placement interview with the Lord of Lords. He will determine if you need qualify for an exemption. Well, the fact is, we are under a command to be witnesses. And uh, there is no excuse, and there is no exemption. Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses where you work, with your family, in your neighborhood, tomorrow. On Jerry Johnson Live, Dr. Steve Gaines, pastor of the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, talked to us about preaching and how to reach your city for Christ.
0: You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian Worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.